Welcome to the Field Talk Podcast from the Linder Farm Network. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Dan Lemke. Dry conditions throughout portions of the Corn Belt are causing issues not only for crops, but with important waterways. The problem doesn't just exist in the U.S. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, is our guest for this Field Talk Podcast. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we're, we're seeing a, a, a reiteration of the fact that drought conditions can not only impede the production of a crop, but it can also impede the transportation of that crop. And we're seeing evidence of that on the inland waterway system. And, you know, last fall, we, we really struggled with this, uh, particularly on the Mississippi River with historic low water levels at a, at a very inopportune time, our, our harvest season. And then, you know, pretty dramatically in late April, early May, we had high water conditions on the upper Mississippi River due to the, the snowfall that, that accumulated in the, in the late winter, early spring. And so you saw water levels spike pretty notably in a short period of time. But the concern all along that I and a number of others had was, you know, even in the midst of that high water event in late April, early May, the underlying conditions of the ground itself uh, was still undernourished and quite dry. And so the worry was, and, and it's kind of materialized uh, to, to, for this to occur, is that if we had a, a prolonged period of, of dry weather conditions, that the pendulum could swing back to low water levels on the Mississippi River which would impede barge transportation. So what we've seen is water levels at many of these gauge readings uh, where we monitor uh, water levels throughout the inland waterway system, particularly the Mississippi River, uh, is comparable to what it was last year and in many cases is actually lower. And last year was a, a very low water event and we're currently on pace for something similar, if not worse, which is, is obviously a, a reason for concern. You know, when you look back at this time in 2021 and in 2020, uh, we're about 20 feet higher at St. Louis and at Memphis, two of the real big uh, points in the river that you routinely mo monitor. And so, you know, 20 feet higher just a couple years ago and in three years ago. So that's what, it, what we can often see. And so we're, we're at low water conditions right now, which is having an impact on, on barge transportation. You're seeing restrictions imposed by the barge industry on the number of barges that they will attach together, the, the, the depth, the, the amount of freight that they'll take on uh, to minimize the amount, uh, the degree to which the, the barge sinks into the, into the water. And so it's obviously a concern. A lot can happen between now and the real peak shipping period, which is our harvest season. Um, but, you know, for the southern part of the United States, that's pretty closely, quickly approaching. And so we, we very much need to have our inland waterway system, uh, which is a key part of our supply chain, to be operating at full throttle uh, during that harvest season, and which is also coincides with our key export window starting off the latter part of July with this does not necessarily bode well as we do head into that peak shipping time. No, and, and one of the things that is just a constant reminder <clears throat> is that you'll see, you know, rainfall that 
you know, we've had the, the Midwest and, and Plain States, we've had some rainfall during the month of July, but drought conditions are incredibly stubborn. And, you know, you can have a, a pretty significant weather event with a decent amount of precipitation and it, it might moderate the drought conditions, but then even more so, there, that means there's very little water that remains to be channeled into our streams and our rivers. And, you know, the, a very kind of simplistic kind of example, um, very not scientific, but, you know, for, you know, under normal conditions, when, when the soil has a decent amount of moisture, for every 10 drops of rain that may fall on a particular stretch of ground, maybe five of those drops will be retained in the soil, and then the rest of those five will find its way to a stream and to a river, which can help maintain routine water levels on the uh, on the inland waterway system well what the phenomenon that we're experiencing now with the drought is being so persistent and so profound is that for every 10 drops of rain that falls eight nine maybe even some cases 10 of those drops are just being retained into the ground which is obviously necessary for crop production but what that means is because the the, the ground is so dry that there's very little that's available to replenish our streams and our rivers. Now we're also seeing the low levels in the Panama Canal. Is that something that has uh, much bearing on uh, U.S. soybean farmers, U.S. farmers and the movement of goods, or, or is that uh, something to watch but uh, doesn't have a direct impact? Yeah, it's something, you know, the Panama Canal is a very important link in the agriculture supply chain. So a lot of Soybeans that are loaded in, in ocean vessels in the Mississippi Gulf region on the southern part of the Mississippi River near New Orleans will, will go through the Panama Canal and route to uh, our many of our customers in Asia. Uh, it's not the only way to get to Asian customers, but it is a, a significant um, conduit for that. And, and so it, when you're seeing these low water conditions uh, on the, at the Panama Canal, it certainly merits concern. Now, thus far, the, the water level restrictions that have been imposed are just related to the new, what are called the Neo-Panamax locks. And these were the expanded locks that you know, generated a lot of attention a number of years ago that were open uh, to commercial traffic in 2016. Uh, the the water depth that has been imposed is 44 feet for these vessels from the normal 50 feet. So it's a pretty profound restriction on how much weight or how much freight those ships can actually carry. Now, for most bulk vessels, dry bulk vessels, and, and agricultural products like soybeans, like corn, etc., they fall into that dry bulk category they overwhelmingly still use what are called the Panamax locks. And these are the original Panama Canal locks that were opened in 1914, over 100 years ago. But they're very much still you know, part of the, the operations at the Panama Canal Authority. They have not instituted a, a water depth restriction. It still remains at 39 and a half feet to go through those 1914 Panamax locks. So it hasn't really impacted agriculture thus far. But the Panama Canal Authority was very close to instituting a half-foot draft restriction or water depth restriction, and which obviously would impact agriculture. And so it's something that we're, we're very much um, monitoring. 
um, you know, the Soy Transportation Coalition Board, we're actually going to be having our annual meeting in Panama in December. So that's something that we're obviously going to be you know, monitoring while we're there, as well as the months leading up to it. But a lot of people don't understand that the, the Panama Canal is not what's called a sea level canal, where a sea level canal is you, send, you have a, a narrow strip of ground, you dig a trench and you keep digging and digging until you have the water from two of the two oceans will meet uh, in the middle. The Panama Canal, due to the elevation in the, the landscape, it is, even though it's a small country, a narrow country, it's still very mountainous. Having a sea level canal where you just build this trench was not, was not practical, not feasible. So they built the canal using locks to be able to get from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. So if that's the reality, which it is, then you have to have fresh water that allows the locks to operate. And so, because every time you have a, the gates to these locks open up, it gets refilled with water. So you have to have a sufficient amount of water at the high elevation to allow these locks, which allow a stair step up and a stair step down to get from one ocean to the next. So if you don't have sufficient water, you can't operate the locks. The canal won't, won't, be, won't be viable. So it is something that's really, uh, this, this, these dry conditions are not just impacting our inland waterway system, but also another important link in our supply chain, the Panama Canal. Well, what type of construction project? I know there was some funding provided for that and some activity hopefully getting underway on some improvements in the inland waterway system. What's, uh, what are some of the shining stars, so to speak, in that regard, Mike? Yeah, I was I was really it was it was really a pleasure to attend a, a groundbreaking ceremony for a, a new lock construction uh, uh, at north of St. Louis. Lock and Dam 25 is the precise location, and this is going to result to when it's eventually completed a new 1,200 foot long lock that will allow more the the, the standard modern tow sizes that are 15 barges all attached together with the towboat to be able to go through that 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 location without having to split in two increments which causes some real inefficiencies and then in addition to it being just a bigger new chamber then it'll mean there's actually two locks at that facility instead of one so you know right now if there's a failure at that that particular lock the whole river essentially shuts down at that point so being able to have greater efficiency but also greater redundancy uh, is going to be really important. And so we would love to see more of those kind of situations um, occur, those kind of investments occur, you know, moving forward. We, all, we also had a, a, a celebratory moment a number of, of weeks ago where soybean farmers, and I was down with them, were in, the, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, providing a ceremonial check to the governor of Louisiana um, as part of our partnership to strengthen, which is the, the number one export region for soybeans and for corn, and that is the lower Mississippi River. And, and this, this project is currently underway to deepen that stretch of the river from a minimum of 45 feet of water depth to 50 feet of water depth. And soybean farmers through the United Soybean Board uh, provided some funding, $2 million, to help underwrite the, the cost of some of that project, which was really... Uh, instrumental in uh, in uh, getting additional support for it and moving it ultimately forward. So um, so yeah, we we clearly have a number of you know challenges you know when it comes to our multimodal transportation system, but we have had some successes and soybean farmers have been real leaders in this effort. 
Obviously, at this time, a lot of folks are turning their attention to uh, you know, Farm Bill uh, conversations and getting that done. Is there anything in the Farm Bill that uh, impacts uh, the, that you're particularly watching that would impact uh, transportation-related issues for U.S. ag products? Yeah, there's a, there's a number of things. Um, you know, one you know pertains to the Farm Bill, and it relates to you know, the the ability of farmers if you're if you're transporting grain or soybeans in your truck. And uh, there's there's two things a, a farmer will encounter, like, like anyone tr- driving a truck. There'll be the overall weight, uh, the gross vehicle weight is what it's referred to, where that the, the overall weight that you can't exceed for the entire semi, and that include the tractor plus the trailer and the freight that you're transporting. But then there's 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 weight that is assigned to the various axles. And a lot of times when you're transporting soybeans, I, when you're driving or, or grain, that freight in there will shift. Like if you come to a stop, a lot of that, those soybeans might, might migrate to the front of the, the trailer. Well, all of a sudden, that can disrupt the, the per-axle weight of, of, uh, of that semi, which can, you know, farmer, even though you loaded it um, legally um, per specifications, per rules and regulations, now all of a sudden you can get um, in trouble just simply because of the, the freight shifted when you're driving. So there's a, there's a bill that's, that's being proposed to be included into the farm bill that will allow some latitude for that so that you're still obligated to adhere to the, the overall vehicle weight, but it provides some flexibility on that per axle weight, which just something that just makes a lot of sense. And we would like to see that get further promoted something else that's that's currently being debated it relates to truck weights um that um that's being discussed right now has passed out of the house transportation and infrastructure committee is is a a bill that will allow individual states if they want to it's completely voluntary but to allow semis with six axles so this is more than just the traditional five axle kind of 18 wheeler configuration that's most common but if you have an additional axle a sixth axle on that semi you can go up to 91,000 pounds in weight versus the 80,000 pound threshold so you can allow that on the interstate system and again it's purely voluntary um, but you know when we're in this era right now of truck driver shortages escalating fuel costs, um, wanting to preserve our infrastructure. We want to try to transport a given amount of freight with fewer trips. All of these things that we really want to do here, this is a piece of legislation that will help facilitate that. So that's a, another uh, bill that we would like to see get some additional attention, get passed out of the full House of Representatives and be, be favorably approved by the Senate as well. So a lot of work that remains on that. But that's something that would definitely help the agricultural sector. Thanks for listening. Find this and other podcasts at linderfarmnetwork.com, on Apple and Spotify, and get all the latest farm news and market information daily from your local LFN affiliate.